Hello, I'm Andy Scott. Welcome to the Business Extra podcast. This week I'm joined by Mustafa Al-Rawi, the business editor for The National. Today we're looking at Etihad's James Hogan. He comes back down to earth. He'll be leaving the company in the second half of this year. We talk about Emirates stoking the open skies battle with the American carriers again. What will a Trump administration think about that? And closer to the ground, Dubai's property market is head for a fall, apparently. Well, I suppose I should say Happy New Year, Mustafa. It's our first, isn't it, of 2017. So uh, Happy New Year to you too. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Not so happy for Mr. Hogan, maybe. Well, I wouldn't paint it that way necessarily. He's uh, a statement from Etihad Group, which is the parent of uh, Etihad Airways, said that he will, James Hogan, the chief executive and president, will step down in the second half of this year. So will the CFO. They said this transition has been coming since May of 2016 when they created that group structure. And uh, it's it's been on the cards and they don't they're not seeing it as impacting day to day. Peter Baumgartner took over as CEO of the actual airline Etihad Airways in May last year as well. And, uh, you know, they've been busy anyway. The group they're dealing with uh, Alitalia and their latest restructuring. But it seems at the end of last year, they did quite a bit to help out Air Berlin, another one of their minority investments. Uh, when they agreed uh, aircraft leasing deal with Lufthansa. The Etihad itself agreed a code share with Lufthansa, which sort of eased the contentious relationship between those two, uh, which kind of links into what you were saying earlier about the open skies row. Uh, And also uh, they agreed a deal with TUI, the German travel company, to create sort of a leisure operator for Europe, taking some of the operations from Air Berlin into that as well. They're allowing Air Berlin to focus on its core business of short haul you know commuter traffic within Europe uh, which you know the airline's been having problems for some time so it, it seems Mr Hogan did a lot of that business at the tail end of last year and they're probably feeling like this is a good time to announce his departure given that uh, things seem to be going in a particular direction well let me just get this straight because uh, Etihad and Emirates are two of the big three here in the in the Gulf uh Emirates have course, gone for a huge mixed uh, fleet, uh, all branded Emirates, uh, Boeing and Airbus flying around the world. Etihad have gone for a different model. They've done a lot of different uh, code shares and a few minority stakes. Now, it seems that that paying for the minority stakes and the code shares, they're having to support these smaller partners. So it's come to bite them. Is that right? Well, the business model is for fast growth because they are they started 2003 is when Etihad Airways launched Emirates launched in the mid 80s so it had almost 20 years on it they wanted to know how quickly could we scale up so they decided the way to do it when Hogan came in in 2006 was to do loads of code shares which allows airlines to book seats on each other's planes which immediately opens up your uh, capacity to new business And also, uh, they started to do investments in carriers. Now, the reason why they're minority investment is because of global aviation rules, which typically uh, prevent foreign uh, control of carriers, particularly in in countries like the US and and elsewhere. Um, The EU itself as well has certain rules. But because it's one zone, um, it, it allowed them to go in and make minority investments in carriers like Air Berlin, 
Aer Lingus, they had a stake in, they were going to build a stake yeah. out, they decided yeah. against it when the strategies weren't aligned. Um, Alitalia was obviously one of the more recent investments. They've also got Etihad Regional, which was Darwin, which is a very much a, a within Europe um, carrier, doesn't fly anywhere else. So, And they were doing that to get really fast growth. So the entire network connected to Etihad is 120 million passengers a year, 350 destinations, 700 planes. That's how, that's how they're able to, to kind of get up to scale. But Emirates is different. Emirates is organic growth. I mean, yeah. they've only ever made one deal, I think, was with Sri Lankan, which yeah. didn't but work I, out. I, I, to be honest with you, I was just trying to see whether there was any correlation between the business model they've taken and, I mean, you know, Mr. Hogan's been there over a decade. So, and his... I don't want to say demise, but he's leaving. I mean, is there uh, is there a recalibration of what their model will be? Well, there is, in a sense. Not recalibration, but the chairman, Mohammed um, Al-Mazrui, said that they are going through a strategic review. We all know that, that the aviation market in general has been softening, particularly because lower oil prices means that the regional demand is off. But in general, there's been there's been you know various incidents in Europe, terrorist attacks, all that kind of stuff that has had an impact. Uh, the lower oil prices hasn't been enough to offset in terms of costs. And capacity has been built out at such a fast rate in this region as well. That's leading to uh, more intense competition for you know a sl- slower rate of growth in terms of demand. So what's happened is, is that James Hogan came in and in, in a decade he built up Etihad really, really fast. And they needed to do that to be able to compete on scale, as I mentioned. Now they're having to, to reassess because... The, the changing dynamics. They were in a bull market for so long, and now they're, they're entering a, a new era of sort of more tempered growth. So how do you approach that? So maybe they're looking at it as Mr. Hogan isn't the guy who's going to be more tempered growth, right? He's Mr. Big mm-hmm. Growth. Yeah. He's kind of like he pumps your your business on steroids and gets you gets you pumped up and getting going there. But that's great when you've, you're having double-digit demand outstripping capacity. But now that's inverted and it's actually double-digit capacity on sort of eight, nine percent demand. So you know they're thinking, right? We've got to reassess this. So it's a, it's the right time. The guy's sixty years old, so you know he's towards the tail end of his career. Um, if I'm allowed to say that these days, I know sixty years and old um, in in, in two thousand seventeen. You know, definitely not old. Um, and uh, he's apparently been lined up with a, a position in an investment company based in Europe. So it seems for both sides, given they've been probably talking about this for much more than a year, even though the group structure was formed in May, the conversation for that must have started much earlier. Yeah. They, they, they're doing this in an orderly way. Okay, okay. Well, that's some example. Let's, let's seamlessly move to Emirates because you talked about the bullish market that, that, uh, that uh, Mr. Hogan found himself in. Emirates are acting in a bullish manner, reopening this open skies battle with the Delta American and I forget the third. United. United, thank you very much. American Airlines slashing prices to Fort Lauderdale down to 3,660 dirhams and to New York for 3,550 dirhams. That's economy class, by the way. Trump with his protectionism isn't going to like this, is he? You know, I, I've, you say that, and, and on the face of it, you're probably right. That it, it's if you if you've got 
you know, somebody that, that you don't want to poke because they will react. Why poke them? <laughs> um, but, you know, there's probably two two aspects to this. The, the political one is actually it's probably not really a bit as, as risky as it was. When the Open Skies row um, w- was kind of blowing hard in 2014, you know, 2015, um, it was in a very benign regulatory atmosphere. You had a U.S. administration that was very friendly to foreign investment and it was a very different, you know, trading uh, environment. However, now you've got an administration in Washington that is honestly uh, focusing its sights on absolutely everybody. I assume aviation will need to buy a ticket and get in line before the administration is going to come around and start knocking on their door. I mean, they're building walls to keep out the Mexicans. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're pulling out of massive Asian, tra- you know, global uh, trade agreements. Uh, it seems aviation might seem a little bit small fry right now. So, and, and really, what's it a row over? I mean, the American Airlines are in a much better position now. Their costs are much lower. Their economy is picked up. Um, their profits are, are very strong at the moment. They've got much less of a case than they did a few years ago. And they're going to keep saying, what are you doing? You're flying these people in. But, um, you know, there might be a natural curb on that with immigration. Um, protectionism with trade actually um, dwindling as a result might impact overall travel. Well, right? well Emirates still buy Boeing planes as well. So therefore... <laughs> Yeah, but Mr. Trump hasn't been particularly friendly to to Boeing. But then Airbus will just line up and say, "Here, buy more A380s." So, yeah. you know, I, it, yeah, on the for surface it looks like that could ignite, but there really is, and a lot of this is media driven. It's our fault, you know. We need headlines and stories and of all course. that, and we've got enough on Mr. our plate. Mr. Trump will tell you that. Yeah, we've got enough on our plate, haven't yeah. we? I mean, <laughs> to focus exactly, on open but skies. I, I, and again, this is a segue again, but into to Emirates, who have let go apparently of a thousand staff in the last three months. They say that's not unusual, but I, I say it, that's about 1% of the workforce. They've also, uh, two months ago, they gave their half yearly uh, profits, which was 75% down on the yeah. year before. And we, we opened up talking about Etihad, re-looking at what their business model. What's going on with the, the, the airline well, industry? I mentioned capacity, and Emirates has got the biggest capacity of any of the Gulf carriers. And they've been very smart up till now in, in terms of, of, of being able to move that capacity around to maximize it. But when everything seems to be slow, that's a much harder trick to pull off. I'll be very interested to see how innovative they get because they prove to be very innovative in a bull market. How innovative can they be in a bear market going forward? And it's not quite a bear market. It's still growth, but it's less less growth than, than they perhaps uh, would like, given you know how much capacity they actually have. But let's see what they do with it. Now, they're in a position, because of that capacity, to slash prices on tickets, whether it to be the US or anyone else. Every single other airline will not be happy about that. Forget the Americans, but Etihad and Turkish, much closer to home, and Qatar are going to be much more annoyed about Emirates slashing uh, prices on economy class. Yeah, you're right. Although, and there's, I think, a sign of the times here, and definitely which Emirates might have to, uh, to, to look at, American Airlines on its domestic flights, on its new planes, has just cancelled the screens on the seat back. They've said they don't need it anymore. People carry their own devices now, Emirates have gone big with their ICE system, spending an absolute fortune piling their money into this. And American are saying, no, people would pre- pre- prefer to look at their own devices. They're happy with them. They, are, they charge you a fee for when you get on. You can connect seamlessly to their library of TV, uh, of TV shows and films. And all of a sudden you think, wow, this is a disruptive move, which just might bite Emirates. 
might it might and it, it and it's fascinating because you're going to see how all the different carriers evolve you know how technology plays into things and and you know where is demand going to be a year from now oil prices if they do stay fairly stable at, at these kind of levels hovering around 55 60 you hope demand comes back in the region which should be helpful for all the carriers here but if it doesn't I mean, there's a lot of talk of saying that, you know, there's no real drivers for, for oil to stay up at that level, in which case it drops down. You, you see more softening economic activity or softening in economic activity. And then suddenly these moves by rival carriers begin uh, to eat into uh, your USP. But then Emirates is moving more into their rivals area because, you know, talking about launching a premium economy. That's something that Virgin, British Airways, uh, some of yeah. the other carriers have have had, and they haven't had to worry about Emirates eating their lunch on, in that section. So my guess is that Emirates will probably grow its market going well, forward, right? I, I mean, what, what would you rather do? Yeah, uh, no, but I, of course, I would always prefer to fly Emirates. But I'm, yeah, well, Etihad, we say, don't we? No, but oh, well, yeah, yes. sorry. I, I mean, you, okay, yes. Etihad, sorry. Uh, I, I'll fly anywhere, anyway, whatever. Let's come back down to the ground. Uh, Dubai property fly uh, prices, uh, according to FIDAR Advisory, uh, which is contrary to JLL and Savills and I think Clutton's as well, think that um, property prices won't um, see a rise this year. Our assistant editor, Ross Anderson, comes over nearly daily uh, to tease us on business that has, has the <laughs> Dubai property the market. Yeah. Is it bottom yet? <laughs> is it still tracing new lows? You know, um, and, and to a certain extent, we're having that conversation for a lot longer than anybody expected. The strong U.S. dollar has played its part. Uh, you know, oil prices haven't recovered perhaps as quickly as everyone hoped they would. But it looks like it's beginning to pick up a little bit. But certainly the the the. What happened in in Britain uh, with their their vote to leave the EU in the summer had an effect, um, and uh, demonetization in India was another um, you know uh, black swan event. If if we can call these things black swans anymore, because they seem to come around every few months, um, the latest shock, uh, and then now Trump getting elected, um, and and people are a bit uncertain about what that means for the overall trading environment. So maybe, oh, you know, but, uh, maybe we'll trace those lows a bit longer. Sorry to interrupt, but I mean, you know, and you, you do mention all the downsides to, of, of uh, the arbitrage in currencies. But then the Russian ruble, that's jumped to 18%, is it? Yeah, with, with, again, with oil prices, oil's recovered a bit. And with the Russian economy, that's always going to happen. But are the Russians confident enough? You know, that really what comes down to everything is sentiment at the moment. You know, do you, you, and, you and probably if you're, you're sitting there on the sidelines with a bit of cash, you just want to wait and see how things play out a little bit. Why, why not buy into a rising market rather than, than one that still is, you know, hitting a new bottom, right? Yeah, well, I think, I think a lot of people are thinking that. It does seem as though people with money are keeping it in their pockets, which makes us think about what, what is 2017 going to be a lot of retailers have said a flat year they say possibly growth at the end q3 q4 but really that's in it's it's hope not expectation i think everyone is looking for that boost and what might bring it 2020 the expo maybe yeah again as you said as we near as we get close to the end of this year we're actually drawing within two years of the expo and suddenly, you know, that's that becomes really exciting for a lot of people that have had it on the horizon, marked on their calendar of, you know, that's when that's when we're going to get a lot of business. So there'll certainly be, I think, an improvement of sentiment. And Dubai doesn't stop. I mean, uh, you know, today uh, we reported on their new uh, ranking system for small and medium enterprises designed to help improve uh, credit uh, lines uh, to SMEs as well as speed up 
payments from government clients and maybe even uh, get more government contracts out there uh, for SMEs. And that's very much, I think, where we're going to see the bright spots is entrepreneurship, small businesses. That's really where uh, we're going to see the growth. The big companies are affected by the big macro events, but it's the small businesses that kind of plow ahead and maybe hire. And maybe it won't be like, you know, 20, 30, 40 jobs uh, at these companies, but maybe three or four. Uh, but that, you know, that builds up. You know, there's an aggregate but do, but to do that. You see, do you see that you said consumer sentiment is pushing down at the moment? Do you actually see that volition on the, in the domestic economy that, uh, that people are willing to spend on, on day-to-day matters? I mean, I still see people being reticent. There's so many deals out there. And, and, well, that's true, yes. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, you know, in the end, you can only keep your hand in your pocket on your gripped on your wallet for so long um, before you you know you've got to loosen those muscles and uh, it's it's just human nature uh, the longer that uncertainty goes on the more used to it you get the more the more willing you are to kind of be hopeful you know thankfully for that we have that nature that ultimately as much as we can be all this pessimistic about uh, what's going on in the world that by 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 our very natures we end up dealing with it and picking ourselves up as every boom and bust cycle has shown and there's no reason why that won't happen this time Mustafa interesting as ever Uh, we'll leave it there hopefully we'll hear you see you next week 